KRVN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the channel Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, a market that brought some mixed feels to it as we kind of do a breakdown of the numbers. We saw a lot of red on the screen for our grain complex, except for the wheat with some higher numbers. And the cattle was at a flash in the pan of Wednesday's higher numbers. But the hogs were the bright spot on the trade action. We've got a lot to take a look at today as we talk with Darren Fry. Darren, of course, is with Water Street Advisors. And kind of start on a give me your overall picture. As you look at the grain complex from, you know, 10,000 foot level, you're seeing the different things that are going on. What's the big attention grabber for you at this point? Well, it's really a mixed bag. The corn, you know, has traded sideways for almost three months in a 25 cent range. So it's range bound. Can't break out to the downside, can't break out to the upside. Soybean meal um, trended lower into the October WASDI and now has screamed higher and has made a $65, $70 move. So that's the bright spot of the entire complex. Bean oil obviously is going the opposite direction of meal, and yet we hear about all this renewable fuel and the need for you know the feedstock going into renewable diesel, and yet bean oil continues to track lower. Uh, some of that's probably crude oil. You know, there's there's not the uh, war type of premium being put into crude oil, and therefore the bean oil really hasn't responded. And then I guess you got the the wheat market that continues to not really care about headlines, whether it's uh, Ukraine is going to not ship through this new corridor anymore, or whether there's you know a weather problem in Australia, Argentina, for wheat. It doesn't seem like it cares about headlines, fundamentals. It just wants to pop up and then kind of bleed lower through the day. And so that's kind of how I see the markets overall. They're just not going anywhere. It's like watching paint dry in a very cool, humid day. Well, that's a great way to put it. Now, I was doing some reading as we talked a little bit about Ukraine. Uh, this morning that they said that they have to pay exporters are complaining because it's like a $75,000 per day when they have delays that they have to pay. And, and so there's some mixed rumors out there of whether they actually close the corridor or if they just slowed the shipments out of there. Yeah, and I don't have what really has happened. I've heard all kinds of stories today. Uh, I really expected this morning that we would see more follow-through for wheat. I mean, wheat was up today, uh, mainly in the Chicago class, up 11 cents. Kansas City was up almost 6. But Chicago has been the leader in the wheat complex, and it's been more sensitive with a short position the funds have. But I haven't gotten a clear understanding of what really has happened with the corridor. I do know that there is concern over what freight costs are going to do and insurance premiums and those things. Uh, but there's been all kinds of rumors around it. Uh, the latest I've heard is they're still shipping out of Odessa. Uh, they have not been shut down. Uh, Ukraine kind of denied that whole thing as being false news. So is there some maybe some positive? We look at the weather from a, from a U.S. perspective versus this winter wheat was such a struggle last year with some drought conditions some areas getting some rain. Does that give a little bit of a positive feel for this crop at this point? Oh, yeah. I think the the wheat crop in general, you know, soft uh, red was uh, a big crop, but the real surprise was uh, the uptick in the Minneapolis, the spring wheat crop. Uh, Kansas City was pretty decent. I think going in next year, the prospects are even better with the type of moisture that we've seen across the plains. And I think the forecast is better going forward. But I would say that the the weather right now is just going to be a challenge for guys to still have corn beans in the field to get finished up. We're kind of getting into slower drying conditions, and 
there's been a pretty big front that's been moving across the, the central part of the country, and, and that's going to help Mississippi River levels for sure. It's going to up those, especially north of Memphis. That's going to help down downstream. Um, but I think the next big challenge for weather, while it might be supportive for wheat crop being planted, we're right on time with that. I think it's really trying to get the rest of our row crops harvested, to be quite honest. Yeah, there's a lot of folks worried about this. Uh, I won't even mention the word that starts with an S that will be moving through many areas of the upper Midwest. Yeah, and, and that could stick around a while, too, given just the time of year we are as we roll into November. So hard to get rid of some of that snow if it turns colder, for sure. You talked about the drop in the soybeans, Darren, and, and I'm wondering, though, is soybean meal still kind of the golden for the soybeans when it comes to demand, considering what's happening in Argentina and maybe some opportunities coming into the United States? It is. I mean, we see record soybean meal exports, record bookings. The problem with the soybeans is we're not seeing China come to the table. China is staying away from the U.S. Yes, they're putting a boat in here or there. We saw a few, um, you know, cargoes get washed out of, uh, washed out of Brazil here uh, today and, and replaced uh, in the U.S. out of the P&W. That's just because of all the rain in southern Brazil and how a mess that is to get ships loaded and get them out of there. We know there's been a huge lineup, 40, 45-day back log of ships. But um, all in all, China doesn't seem to, to care much. They're not coming to the U.S., and that's really what's had beans down. Meal is the opposite of that. We just can't produce enough. We can't ship enough. Uh, and the meal market is definitely hot. What are we seeing um, when it comes to, and I don't know, we'll probably have to move this into the second half as well, but we saw a solid week of some export sales. Yeah, export sales were good today. Um, beans were solid. Corn was at the top end of the range. Wheat was just okay. Uh, but meal, again, big meal exports. And so uh, we're starting to see some upticks. You know, we've talked about how poor the demand is, how poor the demand is, and how poor the demand is. And we're always talking export markets, not domestic markets. And those exports are starting to have a little uptick in them. We're going to see more than just a couple weeks of good exports, but inspections were good on Monday. Sales were good today. Things look to be shifting just a little bit to the more supportive side of the market. Any nervousness, though? Because, I mean, China just does not seem to have their big push to the U.S. as we've seen in past years. Yeah, that's what's got traders concerned. That's why beans can't hold a rally. Um, meal is kind of trading on its own island. But I do think the one thing that we could talk about in the second part just could be weather in South America. If there's one thing that could turn China back to the U.S., it is a weather problem. And they're betting on good weather, big yields, and they're just going to stay taking from Brazil weather could change all that all right we're going to dive more into that as we get ready for the second half here of the channel final bell we'll also take a look at what's happening on a livestock perspective on the tie-in back to the grains as well some interesting uh, thoughts happening there more is coming up on this thursday it's the channel final bell on the rural radio network challenge it's not something you shy from it's a chance to up your game every day brings a new challenge but with the Enhanced Channel Seed brand on your side, you can rise to it. With our top-performing seed, innovative digital tools, and expanded agronomic support, you can turn tomorrow's challenges into your next advantage. Your Enhanced Channel Seed brand. Let's rise to the challenge. Learn more at channel.com rise. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. KRVN. Welcome back to the Channel Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we're continuing our conversation this afternoon with Darren Fry. Darren, of course, is with Water Street Advisors. And we'll take a look at, uh, kind of led off to it as we headed into that commercial break, Darren, is what's happening 
with the weather in South America. I know it's kind of drier in parts of Brazil, wetter the southern part of Brazil into Argentina. So big picture, what's the biggest concerns? I think you got you got really three concerns down there. Um, I'd say the biggest concern probably is how wet it is in the southern states of Brazil. This would take in like Paraná, São Paulo, Santa Catarina, maybe some in the Rio Grande do Sul, and then part of far eastern uh, Paraguay, uh, northeastern Argentina. That area has seen tremendous rainfall. Over the last 30 days, there's places that have seen up to 30 inches and, and big places that have seen up to 25 inches. And so when you think about that, that's a massive amount of water in such a short time. This is four and a half weeks. They've seen tremendous rains. And a lot of that area has seen anywhere from you know, six to eight inches, that's the minimal side. And then these big areas where flooding's taking place. This has hurt the wheat crop down there. This is, is taking wheat from milling quality to, to feed wheat. Uh, it's kept people from getting the, the first crop corn in, the soybeans in. And I think that is a real concern. So that's number one. Number two would be how dry it is, especially in the far north and the central part of Brazil. So this would be Mato Grosso. This would be Tocantins, this would be northern Goiás, uh, parts of Bahia. This is a problem when you think of how much uh, soybeans and then corn and safrina are grown in Mato Grosso alone. That state is a large state, about 1.4 times the size of Texas, and it's experiencing heat that is 3 to 5, if not 5 to 7 degrees above normal, with about half the amount of normal rainfall. And so this has caused some planting problems. A lot of people have planted. They put beans in dry dirt, but then germination. They're not getting even stands. There's been some problems down there. And then third, it's, it's last but not least, uh, I don't know if Argentina is going to get a normal weather pattern. We've we got to get some good rains in there. They've been forecast, and they've been scattered at best. So I'd say those are the three things. Very wet in the middle. And bookends on each end for Argentina, Central Northern Brazil, very dry. So from a perspective of a U.S. producer, could they look at that and say, okay, maybe there is still potential for us to get some, some more export opportunities? You bet there is. And I, and I think that the, the puzzling part is why aren't we trading this? Why, why aren't we talking about it more? I know I've been talking about it on Twitter, talking about it on my podcast, but nobody's really talking about it. And I think it's just because typically the trade is concerned about Brazil weather till we move into November, more importantly, December 1st. And the question is, if we're still in this pattern, we got a big problem. If we shift out of this pattern, that's the hopes of the bears, the hopes of the farmers that are being inundated with rain or not getting rain to get their soybean crop germinated down there. Uh, that's their hopes. But the hopes don't always change the weather forecast, right? So the weather's going to do what the weather does. And I think the weather could still be like this four to six weeks from now. And then I think the trade will really get excited about it, not only from increased exports to here, but the fact that we could have reduced yields not only on a soybean crop, but definitely on a safrina crop that comes after that in Brazil. So I'm very optimistic for the prices here. But really, we don't want to trade it, Susan, until we get further into it and know for sure. We've lost some of that futures market, and we kind of trade the news as is versus what could be. All right, let's switch gears before we wrap everything up. Uh, a drop in the cattle trade. Was yesterday a flash in the pan with some higher numbers? 
You know, maybe, but uh, maybe not. Um, you know, the, the, the market is expecting a pullback, but it's been pretty impulsive. And we know the cash market has been pretty firm and hasn't gone the way of the futures. But it became a crowded trade and funds were liquidating. I really want to see the cattle hold here and really rebound, hold this 178 to 180 area in December. If we see the cash hold firm and the feed yards hold their ground, uh, I would imagine we'd have a pretty decent bounce next week. If not, if the cash starts to slip, the future's got more to the downside. I find it interesting. We're almost a week out of a Catalan feed report, and we're still talking about these heifer numbers in the report of last Friday. Yeah, there's a lot of heifers placed. We're not seeing expansion of the cow uh, calf side of the business. There's just no way. And and uh, it's going to take a while for us to put numbers back on the board as far as how many uh, new calves that we have uh, going forward. We're just not expanding. We're still contracting. And uh, I think that longer term, that still keeps a bullish case. That doesn't mean we can't break now and then come back later. Uh, but, man, I'm not seeing the retention on the heifer side you need to see to say the cattle, the, the cow-calf guy is expanding. All right. Best way for folks to get a hold of you. They can always look me up on Twitter. That's Fry, F-R-Y-E underscore W-S-S. Or call us toll-free here at the office at 866-249-2528. All right, Darren, thanks for joining us today. As we always remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. And that is today's version of the Channel Final Bell being brought to you by the Channel Dealers and all their local professionals. We, of course, encourage you to check it out as a podcast at ruralradionetwork.com or wherever you subscribe. That's the Channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.